that the right wingers often think is the left wing because it seems to have all these communistic traits and is quite correct on that. It's to be a really socialized, managed, planned society for the whole planet, ultimately. And even then it doesn't stop because up to the year 2050, they want to drastically reduce the populations of the world down to what they claim is a manageable level. And then the types who will survive will simply be clone types, probably, genetically enhanced for all the all the possibilities of being an individual will be removed from you. And you'll be genetically enhanced to serve your masters who will remain wild and free from those boys at the top and their descendants. Back in a moment after this break. through the matrix and as I say it's quite the, the journey because there's so much of it there's so many rooms in the matrix and some of the rooms are simply centuries and what went on in the past and you can't understand the present or what's really happening unless you know the past many people today are too impatient to learn the past They're, they learn in bits and bites as they, as they rush through uh, on the internet from site to site to site get a little bit here a bite there and they're always in confusion, and they're also prey to those who lead them off astray. That's, that's a fact. I've talked to many of them. But as I say, when you go into the past and you find out how long this has been, been in the planning, it's never changed, as I say. It's always to do with a socialized type of society. It's all about power and control, not just control of people or reducing people to peasants even, is control of the, of the minds of the people. Every individual mind will be under total domination. And then those at the top truly can say that they are gods because, because there's, there's no opposition against them whatsoever. They will have the fate of, or, or the, the authority for life or death over everyone. It's coming to that very quickly now to do with the creeping in now by governments and official publications. I read some last week from Britain where they're going to limit families. Now, eventually, that will be mandatory. And China, of course, is to be the... There is the model state for the world with their one-child-per-family policy. But even that won't stop because whatever they do and put on the books in, in legal terms is always expanded upon, always. It's just to get it on the books and we sit back and say, well, it's not as bad as we thought it was. It's only this. And then next year, of course, they expand it. It's like the word terrorism. It starts off supposedly with a caveman over in Afghanistan hiding out. And the next thing you know, we're all terrorists. Or we're, we've all got the, the, the possibility, the potential to be a terrorist. So we've got to be surveyed and watched all the time. It's, it's all a con. Everything is a con to get laws on the books. Because this is a world war, and it's a war on the entire world and everyone in it by, again, organizations. Many of them are simply fronts. Many of the foundations themselves are fronts founded by a handful of foundations that have the real money 
that gives the appearance of hundreds and hundreds of them. And really, there are very few people in charge of this whole world scenario. There are maybe thousands upon thousands of workers for them, such as the Council on Foreign Relations, the Royal Institute for International Affairs, but really there's only a few people at the top. And there's no doubt whatsoever it's also intergenerational. You cannot get away from that fact that intergenerational planning by a few families is carried on. And the son takes over from the father with a religious fervor, and that's the key to it. It's more than just um, some some one-generation fanatical uh, crazy idea that someone's got. This is intergenerational. You can't pass on that kind of fanaticism unless it's a religion of a sort. That's where you see it. That's where you see people who never retire because they still have that fire, as they call it, at the top. And we can even go back into the French Revolution to see some traits of what's coming up in the future here and across the world. Because the French Revolution wasn't just about a middle-class uprising. It wasn't just about the fact that Freemasons basically were leading the charge, at least in the early days of it. And the way they set up their parliament system with their council of elders, their mountain, they called it, after after the, the pyramid, of course. But it was also to do with the depopulation programs that they carried out in the rural areas across France at that time, where they loaded people on boats and rivers and around the seacoast areas too, and they simply blew them up at sea or in the river and sunk them because they said there were too many peasants living on the land. They wanted, again, this managed fixed proportion per acre. didn't need too many people. And here we are today with the United Nations Department of Population, which is population control, of course, coming to the forefront as it was deemed to be because many people, including Aldo Huxley and Julian Huxley, who worked for them, for UNESCO, talked about it as coming to its prominent place. It was predestined to come to, and there's articles in mainstream media to do with the necessity of drastically reducing the populations I've gone through the history in the past little while of the Council of Foreign Relations, the Royal Institute of International Affairs, and many of the people who work for them. And pretty well everybody I've mentioned so far has been a member of them, including the Huxleys and all the rest of them. And once again, even with the Huxleys, we can go back to Sir Thomas Huxley, the friend of Charles Darwin, who championed the Darwinian cause for evolution, how come each one of them, right down the line, has been a fanatic for the same agenda? Absolute fanatic. It, generally in families, someone says, you know, if the father works as an engineer, the son might want to do something totally different. These guys are always the same. They do exactly as their fathers and grandfathers did. The same with the banking boys. Why is that? And how can you be as ruthless as your grandfather was with the same agenda of depopulation, getting rid of the inferior types, eugenics, and breeding special, a special master race, as they called it, to dominate the rest? Maybe they've already done it. And there's a good possibility that's already been done, in fact. 
because they were into eugenics and the gene itself long before we were told that it was even discovered. And you will get traces of that from famous people in the past who helped work on certain projects to do with genetics as far back as the early 1900s. So there's hardly a thing in this world that's really new, as I say, when you go into the revolutionary movements and what they were all about, and then you find sustainability was all part of it too. As I say, the, the French Revolution had that contained within it as well. The natural aristocracies, they called themselves, those who had the right to rule because of their superior intellect, and they should rule over the, the, the rest, the lessers, as it's called. That's all come about. We find, too, that the idea of democracy was anathema to these people. However, they used democracy to push their agenda, knowing there would never be such a thing, because they already had set up a parallel government, an institutional system that bypassed all democracy, first through the League of Nations and then ongoing down through the United Nations. And they have thousands of NGO, non-governmental organizations, that are fully funded by the foundations to push every part of their agenda forward. There is no democratic input whatsoever. The public sit back and watch these groups demanding things from the government. They're lobby groups. And the government's only too happy to oblige. Why are they too happy to oblige? Because they've already signed and they have our whole lifetimes and long before we were born, treaty after treaty after treaty at the United Nations. And these treaties, they say in the Charter, are binding on all the countries who signed it. So a gradual depopulation up to the year 2050 is to be undertaken. And if you watch people today, they're dropping like flies. Uh, doctors are churned out now, not knowing the past of medicine and believing that it's quite natural for every one person out of two or maybe every person to die of cancer. That's how they're taught now. They didn't know that 40 years ago people were getting taught a completely different story of cancers and some cancers are extremely rare. Maybe one in a hundred thousand, one in a quarter million would get it. Not now. And that's essential if you want to guide the world along a certain path. You make sure the right propaganda and indoctrination is given to every generation coming out of university, and it never, it never, it never even dawns on them. There's a whole history leading up to their, their particular science that they're oblivious of, to do with facts, figures, and statistics. Therefore, they ask no questions. They just diagnose. And we have public relations and public opinion makers, which is just propaganda, as Bernays called it. At first, he was a guy who called it, alter it to public relations, but it was still propaganda. Everything is propaganda. The whole media is full of propaganda, and you don't know where the stories come from. We know, for instance, that media and Hollywood work hand in glove, and many, many movies come out long before they tell you something from the universities along the lines of science fiction that ends up being fact. That's all predictive programming. We're programmed, just like animals, to, to gradually accept there's something new in our surrounding areas, some new thing, some, some new way of being or living. And it's predictive programming. 
Everything really is predictive programming. That's how bad it is today. And even before we got the internet, they were talking about the coming uh, information wars. They had already set up all the counters to information on the internet before they gave it to the public. Remember, the military-industrial complex used the internet for years all through the Cold War. They weren't going to give us all access to it so that we could do anything of any importance. They would change their plans. So they have massive cyber uh, war teams out there working to stir up trouble amongst anyone who tries to do anything. We're back with more after this break. Through the Matrix. I've also mentioned that the series of videos that you look at to see how everyone really in the 20th century, at least a, a good part of it, uh, was a product really of master manipulators at the top, those who understood the sciences of the mind and how the whole consumerist culture was given as part of a strategy, as part of a strategy. Now, of course, the same people uh, and psychiatry in general too at the top uh, and those in marketing and you can't really distinguish the two because they're both into the same thing how, how to make people, how to motivate people to go in a certain direction think in a certain way or do a certain thing that's what it's all about and now they're taking away all the goodies and say well we gave you the consumerism now we're going the opposite way which is conserve, we conserve everything sustainability and the massive sort of propaganda that's been churned out, you just can't keep up with it. It's across the whole planet. But it's all to do with public relations, propaganda, as I say, and education, because what they've done in the past, and the communists were very good at noting this and leaving it for us to study, was that they, they bypass the older people, and they go right for the young. The young are very important. And Beria, who was the head of the NKVD, in the early Soviet system, the Bolshevik system, at one of the world's meetings in the 30s, he talks about this very, very type of indoctrination. He says, it used to take 70 years to make major changes in society by masses of propaganda on the youth, and then they grow up to be adults, and then they start to change the society in which they lived. They didn't realize it all being programmed to do that, because the science was already known. But he says, now he says, we can do it every five years. They can upgrade them every five years because we're getting children into kindergarten very early exactly on the same lines as Lord Bertrand Russell said during his stage as a, a head of experimental schools in Britain where he tried all the same things out there he said we don't have to remove the children from their parents they always believed that they would have to do this uh, to stop contamination of old ideas and values coming from the parents he says that we can bypass that. The parents can take care of them economically. It, it helps the agenda because the parents would raise and be responsible financially for the child. But he says basically that we have their mind because we have scientific indoctrination if we can get them at the age of two. That's been accomplished pretty well across the board. So everything is propaganda or public relations, same thing. And regardless of all the, the media reports, we've got to question everything that's put out in front of us, and the whys, always ask whys is put out now. Why is it put out now, for instance? 
because there's always a good reason for it. Here's one to do with the Pentagon spending billions on public relations to sway world opinion. And this is from the A&P, February the 5th, 2009. Since Washington is at fights two wars, the Pentagon is steadily and dramatically increasing the money it spends to win what it calls the human terrain of world public opinion. World public opinion. Do you understand that means that you have no opinion of your own? If someone's going to win your opinion, that means they're going to give you your opinion. So it's going to spend billions on the human terrain of the world, public opinion. In the process, it is raising concerns of spreading propaganda at home in violation of federal law. Well, it never stopped them before. And it won't stop them now because no one's going to do anything about it. An Associated Press investigation found that over the past five years, the money the military spends on winning, winning hearts and minds you realize that's a propaganda to win your heart and mind? Does that sound heart first? Sounds better than mind, doesn't it? At home and abroad has grown by 63% to at least 4.7 billion this year, according to Department of Defense budgets and other documents. That's almost as much as is spent on body armor for troops in Iraq and Afghanistan between 2004 and 2006. This year, the Pentagon will employ 27,000 people just for recruitment, advertising, and public relations propaganda. Almost as many as a total 30,000-person workforce in the State Department. And the State Department's a whole other kettle of fish, because it was set up, really, to help bring in world government through economic trade, etc. To continue this article, it says, We have such a massive apparatus selling the military to us, it has become hard to ask questions about whether this is too much money or if it's bloated, says Sheldon Rampton, the search director for the Committee on Media and Democracy, which tracks the military's media operations. As the war become, has become less popular, they have felt they need to respond to that more. Yet the money spent on media and outreach still comes to only 1% of the Pentagon budget, and the military argues it is well spent on recruitment and the education of foreign and American audiences. Education. You're getting educated with propaganda of foreign and American audiences. Words can change everything. A, a word slipped in here that can change the whole perception and perspective on something. Military leaders say that at a time when extremist groups run websites, understand that they got the cyber wars up and going, and they were already do it before they gave us Internet. Extremist groups. Now, what is an extremist group? Anyone who is counter-opinions to this agenda is an extremist. If you start doing too much about it, they'll label you as a terrorist. That's why they came up with the vague term terrorism. But it says these extremist groups run websites and distribute video. Information is as important a weapon as tanks and guns. That's what they say here. And I'll be back with more of this and some more interesting information on this particular story after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. Reading an article 
about Pentagon and its public relations department, which is just, of course, propaganda. That's what it's all about, that's what public relations means. It says here, on an abandoned Air Force base in San Antonio, Texas, editors for the joint hometown news service point proudly to a dozen clippings on a table as examples of success in getting stories into newspapers. What the readers are not told, each of these glowing stories was written by Pentagon staff. Under the free service, stories go out with authors' names but not their titles and do not mention hometown news anywhere. In 2009, Hometown News plans to put out 5,400 press releases. This is what they do. But for this year coming up, this is what they plan to put out under assumed names and so on for propaganda purposes, all in advance. They plan to put out this year 5,400 press releases that we'll all pick up and prattle on about, 3,000 television releases and 1,600 radio interviews, among other work. 50% more than in 2007. The service is just a tiny piece of the Pentagon's rapidly expanding media empire, which is now bigger in size, money, and power than many media companies. In a year-long investigation, the Associated Press interviewed more than 100 people, discovered more than 100,000 pages of documents in several budgets to tally the money spent to inform, educate, and influence the public in the U.S. and abroad. The ANP included contracts found through the private Fed sources database and requests made under the Freedom of Information Act. Actual spending figures are higher because of money in classified budgets. The biggest chunk of funds, about $1.6 billion, goes into recruitment and advertising. Another $547 million goes into public affairs, which reaches American audiences. And another $489 million goes into what is known as psychological operations, which targets, it says here, foreign audiences, but it also is used at home because we're global, right? <laughs> we're global. It says staffing across all these areas costs about $2.1 billion, as calculated by the number of full-time employees in the military's average cost per service member. That's double the staffing cost for 2003. So, so there you go. Everything is propaganda, but and that's just the military. That's just the military. And again, where is your your news services that accept these stories that are handed to them by the Pentagon and pop them into the press for us? Where's their Where's their integrity with their news that they're feeding the public? Because they know what it's all about. They know who's handing them these reports. But you know, every country is the same. Every country is the same. We're all kept in the dark at the bottom as they, as they win our hearts and our minds, mind you. It's all about winning our hearts and minds. Sounds awful nice, winning your heart, isn't it? Like love, isn't it? Quite something. And this next one is to do with the upcoming agenda. We're going to see so many articles coming out at the same time about this because it reminds me of the communist system. In fact, it is the Soviet system. Remember, we've merged now with the Soviet system, the big laboratory that they had behind an iron curtain where they could do as they wanted to with millions of people using psychology and psychiatry on, on the whole populations. And now we've combined the two together, as the Rees Commission found out. Same techniques are being used. Orwell talked about it too. He saw it coming. 
BBC News, and this is Monday the 9th of February 2009. This is quit call over blocked green ad. A Northern Ireland minister's decision to block a government advertisement campaign on climate change has led to a call for his removal from office. Would you, thought, would you have ever thought that someone who challenged this would get kicked out of Parliament? It says that advertisements urge people to reduce energy consumption and cut carbon dioxide output. But Environment Minister Sammy Wilson claimed the adverts were part of an insidious propaganda campaign while he's telling the truth. But just like the Soviet Union, it was very dangerous to tell the truth, incredibly dangerous to tell the truth, because if they said that the sky was black during the day, you better parrot it was black, and everybody had to parrot it was black. So we're all part of this sustainable development thing, and so this guy's said the truth and he's going to get punished for it. Calling for his removal, the Green Party, the Green Party, see who started up the Green Party, by the way, because it was created from the Soviet Union for the next part of the phase. In fact, Madeleine Albright's granddad was the guy who started it up. He was a pal of Stalin. Calling for his removal, the Green Party said Mr. Wilson made a laughing stock out of Northern Ireland. So if you question it, you're, you're, you're bringing a laughing stock, you're creating a laughing stock at your country. Sammy Wilson urged that the Scottish executive had objected and stopped the address being broadcast. However, the Scottish executive told the BBC the reason it did not run these ads was because they already had, were running their own climate change adverts. He argued that they were giving people the impression that by turning off the standby light on their TV, they could save the world from melting glaciers and being submerged in 40 feet of water. <laughs> he said that was patent nonsense. Mr. Wilson said he had written to the UK Department of Energy and Climate Change. See, we've all got departments of it now. We used to call them weather departments. They told us what the weather was. They were generally wrong. But now it's Department of Climate Change and Energy. To say that that advertising, advertising campaign act in CO2 was not welcome. He explained that he did not believe in its message that man-made greenhouse gas emissions are the main cause of climate change and that the campaign was contrary to his personal views. He told the DECC, I do not wish for climate change messages to be promoted by other Whitehall departments here. But Brian Wilson of the Green Party, this is your new commissar, said the Environment Minister should be removed from office for refusing to recognize climate change. It's like Holocaust denial. They're using the same terminology and technique on people who say that there's no global warming. It's the same technique. It's meant to silence you and shame you. They should be removed from office for refusing to recognize climate change. Meanwhile, Europe's gone through one of the deepest freezes it's had for years. A good part of the planet is going through the same thing. But who are you going to believe? Mr. Brown and all these guys with sustainable developments and climate change and global warming or your freezing feet? He's a climate change skeptic. We have got to take all measures we can do to reduce our carbon footprint. Mr. Wilson does not agree with that. This is totally incompatible with him being Minister of the Environment, he said. Friends of the Earth, another NGO funded by the big foundations. His director, John Wood, said, It's bad enough we have an environment minister who does not accept that human activity is driving climate change. 
it's amazing too, all the scientists have come out, haven't they? Uh, so many of them say that the, the, the planets themselves are going through a warming phase because of solar activity. That's hardly caused by us burning our candles here, is it? But facts got nothing to do with it. And that's what I was saying earlier. See, in the Soviet system, facts didn't matter. When they told you this is the agenda, you better snap to it and believe it. The sky during the day is always black. And at night is, is turquoise. Or whatever they told you, you better just believe it. And, part, and even when they changed it, never point out the fact they changed it. Just, like, just part the new terminology. That's how you survive in this system. Because we're living under this, 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 this a Sovietized socialist system we're living under. And the U.S. is going to get all this even more so than anyone else because Mr. Obama is going to sign everything in his major, major prime responsibilities to push all this stuff through all these treaties they've been refusing to sign is when you rush it all through and guess what happens when you do that your prices for everything just goes skyrocketing just like Europe but again the US has got to be submerged into the very system that it helped to create in the first place and that's what that's about it's about social to say total takeover of the whole planet and regulation of everyone's everyone's life. That's what it's about. It's interesting too that Mr. Brown in Britain and elsewhere are putting up more taxes on air travel. Now people were sold on the idea in the early days of this global society, this wonderful utopia where under the charters of the UN and the North American Free Trade Agreement and the European Charter as well, the amalgamation, we'd all have free flow of capital and labor. That's what they all say. And people think, that's great, we can go wherever we want to go. But no, 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 that's not the plan at all. See, with all the IDing and everything else, they want to keep you in your country unless some corporation across the world needs you. Because then your labor, and if they need you, they'll apply for all your, your passes to come to that country. That's what it's all about. The days of flying to where you wanted to go are about done. And Mr. Brown is putting out laws right now uh, to curb, and he said it, to curb air travel. There will be no tourism in the future. There'll be essential passengers only. That's business government and that kind of thing that's what it's all about and that's how the Soviet Union was again the model state for the planet because in the Soviet Union you couldn't move outside your perimeters of the area you were allocated to without permission and passes that's what's coming down here agenda 21 for the United Nations it's for the agenda for the 21st century has it in there that people will be moved gradually off the land and into the overcrowded cities. And there'll be no private transportation. There'll only be uh, public transportation only. And there'll be no private ownership of homes either. be rental only. Because after all, they've got to find some way of punishing you. And they'll withdraw your credits to pay your rent, ultimately, according to Bertrand Russell. There's nothing new in this agenda. In fact, if you've been studying it for years, it's very boring because you always know what's coming. 
And even even get jaded with the way they introduce certain parts of it by the terms they use. It's not even fun anymore. You're still you're still kind of jaded. You're bored because they push it step by step forward and ahead. Quite interesting. There was a a good example of predictive programming came out after the first Loyola University meeting to do was a world science meeting with uh, bioethicists and the neuroscientists that deal with brain chips and so on. They've had one every year, partly since, and Newt Gingrich is the chairman who kicks it off every year. And the 2000 or the year 2000 meeting, he said that they have the brain chips ready to go. This is scientists from Japan did. And he said they have regional computers set up that will manage everyone in an area. In other words, it will program you. As to what you do that day, you could be a plumber one day and an engineer the next, or whatever. And he said the only problem they have is to get the public to accept this, but therefore they're going to do a massive, again, PR campaign, publicity campaign, which is just propaganda again, to, to familiarize us with the idea of it. And they're going to spend an incredible amount of money on novels. So they go to the Future Society and they get all these novels coming out and there's brain chips in them. They said they'd even use cartoons for the children so they'd like them, they'd want these chips. This is a world science meeting. Paid for by the Department of Commerce. That's who paid for all. And they said that, uh, and they would put it into movies and so on to get us familiar with the idea, predictive programming. And then, about six months after that meeting, I think it was, they came out with a movie. It was called Final Cut with Robin Williams. And in Final Cut, he, his job is to, re, to reclaim the, the brain chip when a person dies and basically go through the memory, the entire memory of each person and take all the good bits and put the nasty bits, cut it together like a cutting room in, in the movies and do the eulogy for the funeral by showing these little clips little Tommy at two, little Tommy as you see through his eyes at five, ten, and twenty, and so on. That's the idea. And it was all presented in a very nice sort of way in the movie, to an extent. Now, here's a, a, a professor from Australia, and this is on, it's called 9MSN, N-I-N-E-M-S-N, January the 30th, 2009, by Josephine Asher, says here, the very chip microchip contains identity and health information and is embedded under the skin. That's from the AAP. It says, um, a protest against microchip implants planned for Alzheimer's patients in Florida. It shows you some, some photographs of that. And it says, all Australians could be implanted with microchips for tracking and identification within the next two or three generations. A prominent academic says, it's a bit late, you see. You know, professors love to get their names in the paper. They'd really love to be well-known for coming up with some brand-new novel idea that generally is not theirs in the first place. So, I mean, this is years after the movie Final Cut came out. He's going to tell you what was in Final Cut, more predictive programming. Michael G. Michael from the University of Wollongong School of Information Systems and Technology has coined the term Ubervalence. Ubervalence 
to describe the emerging trend of all-encompassing surveillance. All-encompassing. They love encompassing, don't they? Ubervalence is not on the outside looking down, but on the inside looking out through a microchip that's embodied in our bodies, Dr. Michael told 9MSN. Microchips are commonly implanted into animals. And again, see, to understand, I, I found out, for instance, um, that, that they've been planting animals for years, but they don't use the readers to find the dogs. If the dogs get lost, they don't bother scanning them because there's no central database. The idea for, for microchipping the animals was to get the humans used to the idea of it coming to us. So now, now that that pillar has been knocked down, now they're going for us. And they're using the animals as well, they're doing it to your animals, what's wrong with they're doing it to you? That's the argument. Literally, that literally is it. Microchips are commonly implanted in the animals to reveal identification details when scanned, and similar devices have been used with Alzheimer's patients. Well, that's why they gave it to the Alzheimer's patients as well. To get us all used to getting it done. U.S. company Verichip is already using implantable microchips which store a 16-digit unique identification number on humans for medical purposes. Now, this is the softening up part of the whole story. Then he goes through high-risk patients and so on. They're really worried about patients as they want to kill us off, right? And they're, and they're cutting medical uh, staff and hospitals back across the board, across the planet. So they really care about our health. And I'll go into this right after these messages. Technology <laughs> said the ability to track 
and identify any individual was already possible. Well, of course it is. Been do- they were doing experiments with people back in the 60s, putting chips in them and tracking them through. They also found out they could, they could put it in the spinal area. People end up in mental hospitals with this, hearing voices in their heads, feeling they were being controlled from somewhere else and locked up as schizophrenics. We live in a wonderful world of caring medical professionals, don't we? Anyone with a mobile phone can be tracked to 15 meters now, she said, pointing out that most mobile phone handsets now contain GPS receivers and radio frequency identification readers. She says, the worst scenario is the absolute loss of human rights, she said. Really, no kidding. I can see why she's, she's a, a professor or she's a doctor. The worst scenario is the absolute loss of human rights. Well, that's no big deal, is it? How can you help but not lose your, your human rights? Do you think they're going to put something in you that you can control? Who's going to be controlling it on whose behalf? And believe you me, if you dumb to your thoughts, which I'm sure they can do, and probably can do for a long time, they'll simply be calling you. In fact, they'll just motivate you to come in. You'll walk into the locust police station, the nearest police station, your local one. You won't know why you're walking there. You've been made to walk there for a few adjustments. That's what's coming up. As I say, this guy is just copying exactly what was out years ago in the movie called Final Cuts by Robin Williams. That was the one that kicked off the predictive programming after they had the, the meeting at Loyola University and said they put it in movies and novels and so on. Everything's like this. Predictive programming. Well, that's it for tonight from Ontario, Canada. From Hamish and myself, it's good night and may your God or your gods go with you.